You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Well, Deanna, great job. Thank you so much for sharing about uh, just welcoming us today and highlighting the uh, National Disability Employment Awareness Month, and just that the heart to help all feel valued and, and belonging. And we certainly love you and Troy and Josh and Sienna. We just love you guys a ton. So thank you for all you do. You know, they usually run our Harvest Festival every year this year because of COVID. We don't get to have it, but thank you for giving your heart to us right now. Uh, next October, we will be having the Harvest Fest. And yes, amen. And then next Sunday, we're going to have a little extended worship time right here. will be our last gathering together before we go back online, because I'm not sure the weather's going to hold up outdoors. So this, next Sunday will be our last gathering here at the high school uh, until further notice. But, um, you know, today we're going to have a great time talking about a new sermon series that we're starting called United. And I think our country needs to be united. And I think as we as people need to be united. And so it's called United, Finding Unity Through Love, Grace, and Faith. And for those of you that are here today, sitting here watching, I want to let you know, you can pull up your phone right now. Those at home, you're seeing the slide that says Unity Through Love, through grace and through faith. But if you are who's sitting here right now would like to get the slideshow, uh, what I want you to do is text 81010. So to the number 81010, you text this, just one word, uh, the sign at the at sign Church West. So all one word, no spaces, at Church West to that number 81010, 81010. And you'll get a link, and then what will happen is you'll get a, a Google slide so you can follow along with those at home who are going to get to see the slides as well. You know, unity is powerful and precious. Unfortunately, it's also an ongoing struggle to develop it and maintain it. And the laws of nature confirm this. Any of our science teachers or science majors would understand that the law of entropy says all things left to themselves tend toward disorder. And without an outside force acting on things, things will get disunified. It applies to everything. It applies to relationships. And I know in my life, I can hearken back to many times, I think of the year 2009. And that year was a challenging year. I received news that made me sad, it made me mad, uh, and it made me feel disunified with some of our family. In 2009, my family was living in Rancho Cucamonga. My wife Carrie and I were there with my uh, mother-in-law Lynn, who had moved in with us uh, four years prior after Lynn's husband, Carrie's father, had passed away. Uh, we had two children, uh, Caitlin, she was eight years old, Kyle, he was 11 and a half at the time. And we were leading the Inland Empire Church, it was a busy time. We, um, you know, we were, our life was full. And we caught wind, we got news uh, through our mother-in-law, through Lynn, who lives with us, um, that Carrie's sister, Lynn's daughter, Tara, was pregnant. And normally that, that could be a great victorious thing, but we knew that Tara at the time was not making good choices in her life. She was running with a bad crowd. 
Uh, there were some drug issues in her life. And she didn't have a safe place or stable place to live. We, we, um, we realized she couldn't, she couldn't much take care of herself, much less a newborn. And I was upset to hear this. I knew we need to offer help, but I didn't think she would take the help. And when we offered it at first, she, she didn't want it. Uh, I think she was embarrassed and where her mind was at, she didn't want to accept the help. And for me, it was complex. I knew pain was coming. I was grateful she made the decision she's having the baby. Uh, I was grateful for that decision. But we didn't know what was going to happen. So I'm going to finish this story later on. But I had a feeling of disunity in my heart. And I'll share what, what resolves out of this as we go through today's lesson. But disunity is going to happen unless something changes it. And that's just a reality. But God has created not only the law of entropy, so things do tend towards disorder, but he provides also the solution to this disorder. And we all know the importance. If you don't work on cleaning up your house, it's going to get into disarray. All right, I can attest to that. And I've married an incredible woman, and she helps me. We motivate together, and she does most of the work, but our house stays in order. Uh, mostly not because of me, because of Carrie, I confess. But if, if it weren't for that outside force acting on things, things would get into disarray. Well, God has provided a solution to the disunity of mankind. And that is love, and that is grace, and that is faith. And if we live in a state of love and in a state of grace and in a state of faith, we will be united. In a sense, that's the United States right there, right? The state of love, grace, and faith is the only kind of state where you really are united. And I pray that our country could be united. Sadly, it is not at this time. But God wants his people to be united. He wants unity with his people. That has been his plan, and that continues to be his plan. As we begin to read, I want you to turn to John chapter 17. If you have the slide, it'll come up for you. have your Bible handy. Turn to John 17. And in verse 20, we read the prayer of Jesus. The apostle John is writing this the night before he's taken in. And he says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one. And skip on down. He says, as we are one, I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Today I want to talk about unity in the state of love. And I want us to understand that this concept of love, it can be kind of cliche. People hear it all the time. You read it on signs. But we know deep down it is the answer. One of my favorite uh, musical bands is U2. And they're mo one of their most recent albums, I just happened to be uh, looking at some of the songs on there. And I noticed that three of them, uh, the word love is prominent. They're in the titles. One is called Love is All We Have Left. Another is Ordinary Love. The idea of if you can't have at least ordinary love, if you can't deal with the basics of love, you're not going to be able to make it. But then I like the last song. He says, love is bigger than anything in its way. 
And that's the reality. Love is the answer. It's not cliche. But I think for each of us today, we've got to take a good look. Do we understand the kind of love that God provided to the human race and intends for all of us? And so the Apostle John, when he wrote to the church, he talked about Jesus and Jesus' solution. And Jesus' heart is unity amongst his family. Later on, we find that even in the early church, great disunity developed. And so the Apostle John wrote these letters. He wrote three letters. They call them 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. We're going to look at a couple passages from 1 John today. But part of the problem in the early church was people's thinking went the wrong place. They started to think things that were not accurate about Jesus. They started to over-spiritualize or under-spiritualize what it really meant to be faithful to God. And a lot of division developed even in the church. And so he wrote 1 John to help correct some of that division. And here we find really the word love is the word in Greek called agape. And at the time, its meaning was a light meaning. Most Greeks didn't use it as forcefully as we do now when we, if you study some Greek, I didn't study, but Kenny has, but I've learned and studied it myself through just looking at some of these passages and what scholars say. But the word agape, meaning love in Greek, began to mean a selfless, action-oriented love. It's more than a feeling. It's not simply emotion. It's not about romance. It's about a commitment and an action that changes people's lives. So I want us to read in 1 John chapter 4, and I have a verse for us there. My, my point today about love, I'm going to say two things. The first is this, love connects us. As a West Side Church, welcome. So great to have you with us online. So great to have you with us uh, here in person. As a church, we want to connect. We want to see life transformed for you as you get to know Jesus. And we want an inspiration to arise out of our life. We connect, transform, and inspire. Right? That's the West Side mantra. Really, that's God's mantra. And it comes from love. And let's read in 1 John 4, verse 7. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his son into the world. He initiated. Do you see that? God lays down his life and Jesus lays down his life. See, biblical love, the kind of love that's going to unify, is a love that initiates. It is a love where you give and lay down your life for your brothers and sisters. It's a love that goes first. You know, last week it was great to have Reuben and Marina come and share, and they talked about what does love require of you? And God calls us to lay down our life for one another 
actions. See, here's the difference. I had this conversation with my older brother, who's a spiritual man, but not necessarily walking with Jesus in his spirituality. He, he seeks spiritual things. And he realizes a lot of people in life would die for someone they love. And so as they began to think, of, as, he, as he and I talked about the power of the cross and the power of the message of Jesus, he thought, well, a lot of people on earth, they die for their country or die for people. I said, that is true. But God demonstrates his love. He died for us while we were his enemies. He came and died for us when we were against him. He loved his enemies. He loved those who were hurting him. He gave the greatest sacrifice for people against him. That is a love that defies logic. That is divine love. And it moves us when we realize that when we don't deserve the love, we still receive the love. And we must reach across barriers even today. We must reach across barriers to demonstrate a real love. In his love, this initiating type love, this love that goes first, there's no racism. There's no classism. There's no gender oppression. In God's kind of love. When we love, we give up our lives. And love, it's really about breaking the ice. Yes, that means, I know for me, somebody broke the ice, invited me to learn about Jesus. I was out on the beach, a worldly, non-spiritual, non-godly man. And a guy reached out to me, Sutton Whitaker, and said, Do you ever think about God? He had to break the ice with me. And it opened my heart. And it called me to look deeper. And it took some sacrifice because I might have just, I might have ridiculed them. I had ridiculed others about things like that. But see, love is proactive. It's not just reactive. And in our congregation, we have so many examples of this. I'm so grateful for the West Side. So many great examples. Certainly hearing from Deanna and her proactive love for those with disabilities. You know, there's another brother in our congregation who has a disability. His name's Nino Salazar. He's a dear brother in our ministry. And I got to hear his story in detail last month. It was very, very inspiring. Nino, if you're out there, it's good to see you. Uh, Talked to you last night. And um, you're going to get to hear a moment from Nino. I recorded him. But Nino used to serve in the U.S. Air Force working with uh, jet fighter airplanes. And he eventually, Uh in time, he developed a diabetic uh, retinopathy, which is a detached retina. And he has since lost most of his sight. Uh, But he's not lost his spirit of love, his spirit of grace, and his spirit of faith. And he's a joy to talk to. He has strong opinions on a lot of stuff, which I like. And I'm so inspired by him. Here's Nino working through his own disabilities. But he's come up with an entire plan to train men in spiritual uh, godliness, manhood, and strength, and kindness, and chivalry. He calls it men of the realm. And he's going to be helping with one of our our men's groups that we're starting to really train men. And I really appreciate that. And as I was talking to him about uh, just his being a part of the West Side Church, Nino, um, he said, you know, one person that really helped me a ton that I really love is Ken Chow. And we all love Ken Chow. Ken's uh, been partnering here, leading part of the West Side for six years now. Ken is awesome. Uh, love him and Lena so much. But Nino just couldn't say enough about him. He kept going on, and I said, Nino, wait, 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 wait. 
hold on, I want to record what it is you say. So I want to play what I said. What do you think of Ken Chow? And, you know, I want, to, I want you to hear what he said about Ken. What do you really love about What do you really love about Ken Chow? Tell me about Ken Chow. Well, my friendship with Ken Chow started right away. Uh, we had been part of the Florida Church and part of the Turning Point, and I always told my wife what the kingdom was like and the love in the kingdom. And immediately when I met Ken Chow, he was exactly like that. Everything that I'd always missed about it, he just started my friendship. He drove me around. He was great to my family. Uh, he gave me his time. He calls, texts, spends time with me when I know that he's got so much on his plate. Uh, him laying down his life and giving to me, uh, even though I know he's got so much other things to do, and he always thinks of himself last uh, when it comes to us. And I appreciate his heart. And it has made me so that by the third time I met him, I told him I'd take a bullet for him. And I don't take that lightly. And I will go anywhere for Ken because his heart is the kind of heart that I remember that the kingdom was made up of. And I'm nobody. And for Ken to really take an interest in me uh, really makes me humble and feel undeserving of his friendship. And I love Ken and his family. You are awesome. I hope that encouraged you. Nino just raves about you because it's true. The heart of giving up yourself, laying down your life. This is the hallmark of God's family. This is what changes the world. This is what sets apart God's people from a worldly people who aren't thinking right. And I want to call on us to have the heart to love because love connects. And that's what Ken has done and that's what many of us have done. And that's normally what pulls us in and begins to transform our life. Amen. You know, love definitely transforms us and inspires us as well. And that's the second thing I want to bring. It connects us, but it transforms and inspires us. And I'm inspired by Ken and the kind of action that he uh, displays in his walk with God. But when we read the scriptures, I love this verse. It simply says, we love, in verse 19, because he first loved us we love we have the capacity to love we get the motivation because god starts it it doesn't have to come from within you there's an infinite reservoir of god's love for you to give away a lot of times we hear about compassion fatigue and if you're serving for what you get out of it if you're serving for yourself or because it makes you simply feel good by the way it does feel good to love people but if you have the right motive, if you're serving from God's love, you will have an infinite reservoir of love to give out. So when you're loving unconditionally, I, I dare you to try it. Break those barriers. Cross those lines and you will have more than you thought possible. God has a plan for us to be transformed and for us to inspire other people's. And I want to go back to my story from 2009. You know, when we found out Tara was pregnant, there was a lot of pain in us because we knew pain was coming in the future, in the practical reality of life. And we knew we got to love her. And I want to hold up my mother-in-law, Lynn, who has lived with Carrie and I for the past 15 years, continues to, and I told her can stay with us until the Lord takes her home. And I, I just appreciate her so much. She's an inspiration. 
I know when this time happened, there was pain in all of us. We knew suffering would come because Tara wasn't in a place to take care of a child. And we offered some help, but she wouldn't take it until Thanksgiving came that year in 2009. And she came to Thanksgiving. She was eight and a half months pregnant. And she was desperate. And we said, why don't you just stay? And she stayed. She stayed all the way through December. And on December 11th, 2009, she gave birth to Nathan. And uh, Nathan, of course, Nathan's a joy. Nathan's a blessing. Nathan's a gift. It hasn't come without pain. You know, we had seven people in our home then. And it was, it was busy. It was tough. It was, it was a packed house. And Tara, we, we said, Tara, we want to help you. But we knew that meant not just taking care of her. She, she was very intelligent, very gifted, very capable. But she didn't have good boundaries. And so we said, all right, here's the plan. And we're going to give you one year, a little less than a year. Nathan will be almost a year old. And you've got to move out October 31st, 2010. You have to have an apartment. You have to have a job. You can do this. She's very gifted. We knew she could. And um, amazingly, by 2010, exactly on October 31st, when I told her 5 p.m., you'll have to be out. Well, that's when she got out, and she actually had a job, and she had a place. We're very proud of her. It was challenging, though. You can imagine raising a, a child and just having this job. And, and for her, I know the single moms, I just I give you praise and honor. We know how hard this is. Tara, over the next year, she, um, she crossed some lines she shouldn't have crossed, and she fell back into her old lifestyle and began living in a hotel and living from place to place, and it was really no place for Nathan. So Lynn went and got Nathan and said, oh, we'll just take him for a while. And this was, um, you know, he had just turned two, and we took Nathan and at that point, I remember having a conversation with Tara. I saw her briefly for, I can't remember why, but I said, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of Nathan. And at that moment, you know, we weren't sure what was going to happen, but we ended up really, we've, Nathan's lived with us since that time. And that's an incredible blessing. But the journey that Tara went on was, was great difficulty and great hardship. And you can only imagine a mom uh, knowing that, you know, she wanted to be a mom, but not knowing how to pull out of the depression and pain and, and uh, own the demons that she was dealing with. Uh, during this time, Lynn, I think, was a hero of unconditional love, laying down her life for her daughter. She would be, I'd, I'd, I'd hear her and see her in her room praying on her knees for Tara every day, not giving up. Sometimes she would cross lines and, and you know, as a mom might do, uh, maybe paying too many of her bills or solving too many problems and not letting her hit rock bottom. But as a mom, how can you not do that sometimes? But we would have talks. We would fight for the kind of love that Jesus gave. And we, we as a family would pray and talk about it. I was like, Mom, you, maybe you shouldn't pay for her cell phone. I, she's got to do it on her own. She's like, oh, but then how could I reach her? And I remember going through battles. And, and it's a struggle, parents. You've had family members like that. And I know Carrie and I, both our parents, our, our, her father and my, my mother uh, were uh, addicted. And learning how to love unconditionally is tough during that time. It was very painful. And I just think Lynn was just a hero. There were times she did not know where she was, and we wouldn't hear for, from Tara for six months at a time. And, um, you know, Nathan, 
you know, we became mom and dad to Nathan. And, uh, you know, he's brother to Caitlin, brother to, you know, uh, sister, brother to, Kate, uh, to Kyle. He's our son. But he has two moms. He just knew one of them who he loved deeply. He didn't get to see very often at all. Maybe the hardest time, I have so many stories I could share, was um, as Tara hit rock bottom, we didn't see her for a while, she eventually got to a place where she started to see the way she's living is not going to work, and she started a recovery program. And she'd gone in and out of a few. She'd gotten incarcerated and gotten out and had to go through recovery. During that time, one of our, our, our cousins, Carrie's first cousin and Tara's first cousin, Natalie, and Terry was helping Natalie there, beautiful girl from a super well-to-do family in Orange County, uh, you know, Carrie's first cousins. Uh, we got a call that Natalie had died of an overdose. And uh, we were devastated. Uh, our heart still breaks. And we thought about Tara. We thought, oh, this could be Tara. And we were all weeping because they were all so close to our family. And... Um, I know it broke Tara. Tara was there. She went to the funeral. She was weeping, and she was in a recovery process, and she, she was heartbroken that she couldn't have done more. And I don't know. I, I don't have all the answers. I do know that Lynn's faithful love, that Lynn's consistent prayers, that Lynn's never quitting heart made a difference. You know... Tara continued her recovery. It's really a miracle. And, uh, you know, this past week, let me tell you what happened. She'd been sober. She's been sober now for three years. It's incredible. And um, this past weekend, we got to uh, enjoy. She got married. She's in her 40s. She had a hard life. She got married to a great man who committed to a life of being clean and sober, both of them. And they gave, you know, I was reading their Facebook post, they, they gave credit to God. And you see the picture. I think I have a picture of you, four of them here. Let me show you the picture. And then I'll go back to the scripture here in a second. But I want to show you the picture if you have it on your phone. And I know those of you online can see it. That's Tara with Stephen. They got married. There's my, my wife, Carrie, is one of her bridesmaids, my daughter, Caitlin. There's Nathan jumping in Stephen's groomsmen. I got to walk Lynn down the aisle, uh, down the, uh, aisle as the mom, and, and then uh, Carrie's brother walked uh, Tara down the aisle. She's clean. She's doing great. Uh, we're, we're partnering uh, with Nathan. Nathan's my son. Uh, we have full guardianship. Of him, you know, he calls us mom and dad, but he knows he's got another mom, and now he has a stepdad. And um, God's blessing in an incredible way because I believe uh, love unifies. Love creates unity. And I want to close with a scripture um, at the end of First John chapter 4 where it says, Whoever claims to love God, this is, love God, this is verse 20, Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And there's a calling for real action, for real love, to give your life up for people, to whatever it takes. A Ken Chow love, a Lynn Herrera love, a Carrie 
Lounsbury, love. And this changes lives. We can be transformed and be unified, and we will inspire when we tap into the love that Jesus demonstrated. We're going to take communion at this time. I really want us to think about for us, what can we do to lay down our life for someone else, our brother and sister in the congregation? Maybe it's our brother and sister physically. Maybe it's a neighbor or a coworker. But that kind of love changes the world. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for just your miracle of love, the love to initiate with us, to reach out to us even when we don't deserve it. And God, we know that you then give us the ability to give it out to a lost and dying and disunified world. Father, thank you for Jesus dying on the cross and his body uh, being given over and his blood being shed to give us that second chance, that third chance, that tenth chance. Father, thank you so much. We thank you for his body given and his blood shed. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.